When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. In the minute I'm talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed worldwide, according to Indeed data. Get unparalleled access to job seekers with over 350 million monthly unique visitors globally, according to Indeed data, and an extended reach through Glassdoor. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Hack It Out. Just go to Indeed.com slash Hack It Out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Hack It Out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right, welcome back to the Hack It Out Golf Podcast. Really interesting question coming from a listener today. We've got Lou Stagner, Greg Chalmers back with us after playing around with pebbles on some beach or something. I don't know what he was up to last week, but I'm sure he'll tell us. Um, great question about uh, how do you know when you've peaked almost in golf? I think I can really answer this question. <laughs> it should be a fun episode. <laughs> Lou and Greg back with us. Hello, guys. Uh, Greg, how are you back after your Pebble Beach? I know it wasn't the outcome you wanted, but um, did you have fun being back out there? I did, mate. Yeah, look, I had uh, 27 holes of, you know, really nice stuff and 27 holes where I played like an idiot. Um, okay. Um, I into this age bracket now where I really start to appreciate really well-conditioned golf courses and great weather and beautiful trees and things like that. Um, I had a great experience with the amateurs we play with, played a practice round with a couple of rookies, um, Gave them a lot of heat if I managed to outdrive them, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, I had, uh, I think, I got one guy by one yard one time, and I just let him know. Uh, yeah, yeah, one yard yeah. enough. Yes, <laughs> I could yeah. pace that off. I was like, dude, what's it play like from back there? Uh, <laughs> you, my, yeah. my my laser is tolerance of about one yard. You can still laser back one yard. It's pretty easy, you know. Yep, yep. I paced it off. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think he caught it out of the heel. But uh, I won't be telling that part of the story. Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a really cool week. And the, one of the amateurs I played with uttered the um, immortal words, um, "Thanks for the game, Greg. Here's my phone number. I'm a member at Cypress Point. Give me a call if you ever want to go out there." And so oh, he's officially my new best friend. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's pretty cool. Absolutely. Feels oh, like we excellent. should record an episode of Hack It Out Golf from that place. The three of us and your new friend. and Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. A business episode. trip. <laughs> a business trip. Cypress. I would love to get on there. I've played Pebble, but not anywhere else around there. That would be fun. Yeah. Um, so you've got the question for us, Lou. Do you want to hit us with the question? I love this question. I think it applies to so many people and probably all of us here to a certain extent. Um, hit us. What, what's the question for today's episode? Yeah, it was a great question. So we did uh, an Ask Us Anything last week, and we got through a few questions, but there were a handful of some really great ones that came in and a handful of ones that we wanted to dedicate full episodes to. So this one came in from Wonderboy5150. Wonderboy. Wonderboy, yeah. He asks, is there a point in golf when you simply can no longer improve? How does one recognize they've reached the height of their game? 
Good question. Great question. Yeah, great question. Absolutely. Does anyone want to kick it off or should I go? How do you want? Because you're obviously, Lou, this is, I mean, I think me and Lou and maybe Greg as well are playing in the same um, boat here. But I've played courses that I've played as a 16 year old as a grown up and I play them worse because I was a very different practiced and trying to achieve golfer at 16 than I am at the age I am now where I'm playing once every, you know, I play twice a month, basically. I hit balls in between, but they're actually going play 18 holes is once a month, once or twice, you know, twice a month at the most. So I've been around this area and I think, oh my God, like if I had a shot anything over par around this course in, you know, neutral weather as a 16 year old, I'd have been wanting to, go home where if i can keep anything under four over par here today as an adult i'm quite happy <laughs> sure so and i'm sure you're the same Luke, because you were better when you were full-time practicing and now you've got different commitments i guess haven't you so we, we've got to manage we're we're worse but i wouldn't say i'm still not improving what do you does that make any sense what i'm saying there uh, it does i mean my really simple answer to this question is I believe that every single golfer can improve from where they are at the moment and where yeah. I am at the moment is much different than where I was 15 years ago. Um, age yeah. has caught up. Uh, I don't practice as much. I don't play as much, uh, but I still have an opportunity to improve. And I think that's true of everybody. And, you know, I love when the videos come out and you see, you know, Gary player just grinding on the range, working on his game. He's in his mid eighties and he's still trying to get better from where he is right now. Is he ever going to be as good as he was 50 years ago? No, not, not even close, but he can get better than where he is at the moment. If that, hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It, uh, it, it's a more succinct way of saying what I was saying. I think the uh, what you're saying there, you can improve from, basically you have to draw a line in the sand, don't you? I want to improve from this point. At some point in your life, you have to then go like, okay, things have changed now in my life. There's a line from where I am now. Can I improve from that? Is kind of what you're saying there. Greg, what you must, you, you were a better player, I'm sure, in lots of ways when you were, at the height of your career compared to now, surely when you were playing full time, is that fair to say or not? What, what are your thoughts? Um, well, sorry, Mark, I missed that. You cut out on me there for a second. What was that question? Sorry. So you must have been a better player when you were full time playing, mustn't you, than you are now. You must have, you must felt like you're at the peak when you're at the peak of your game, when you're at the peak of your career, must have been when you were playing your best golf better than you are now. Or do you still feel like you're getting better? Uh, no, that, that, I think Lou's hit the nail on the head pretty clearly. That ship has sailed was where, you know, I played my best golf um, probably 1998 um, was my best year that I can think I've ever had. 25th on the money list in Europe, um, third in the Q school final stage, six rounds in America, won the Australian Open um, at, you know, 25, 26 years old. That was a great year. Another year I finished 41st, I think, on the money list in America. There was a point in my career where I really wish I'd have just said, hey, you don't need to keep changing things. This is really enjoyable. Just keep doing this. Certainly that year I finished 41st, I probably kept changing my swing technically, didn't need to. And I look back at that with a level of regret. You know, we've had regrets issues before. Um, so, yeah, I think to me for, you know, amateur golfers out there thinking about when should I, I, I think a lot of people who like to improve they enjoy that journey 
um, you know, they enjoy tinkering and fig- trying to figure out, hey, this is why I played well today. I did this little thing. And that can be anything from someone like my dad who goes and buys a new driver, knowing fully well, you know, it drives my mum crazy and there's no mm. chance it's going to matter. He's 76 years old, but apparently that made a difference in his day today. Um, <laughs> versus someone else who, you know, hey, I, I tried this new move I saw on YouTube and look at this, it worked and it only worked for a little bit. So it depends what journey you like doing. Um, but golfers seem to be an interesting group of people that are infatuated with um, tinkering and, and, and trying things and, and you're never re- truly just pleased, you know, like it's, and it's a, when you get to a place where you are, like right now in my career, my job is just to maintain, I'm not going to change my action. I, my job is just to maintain whatever I have, stay healthy and keep playing at the, at this level. And the days where I putt well and hit it nice, I shoot low scores. Um, yeah, but it's not absolutely. going to be some major directive or change that's going to, that's going to get that done because I just don't have time to go through that process. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the important points with this question as well, and I used to get this question a lot from students. Um, I mean, I, as a full-time, when I was full-time coaching, like there wasn't students that would come to me that I wouldn't see pretty low hanging fruit where they they couldn't improve you know i would see most students and just think that we you can get better yes it'll take a lot of work yes you need to commit but you are making some mistakes that you shouldn't be making and they're kind of people who would come to you and say that i'm leveling i'm plateauing i don't think i can get any better and all this kind of thing uh, and honestly it was like one percent that would come for lessons with me that if they put the commitment in that I was putting in so if we matched our level of commitments because you teach Greg as well now you know what some students are like you know some come for the chat and they think they're getting better because they're there they, don't, they forget that they have to do the work themselves as well where you get the ones who are really dedicated and you just think yeah, if we get you working on the right elements to help you get you out of some rabbit holes, because golfers do like to get stuck in rabbit holes, like you say, we keep searching. Uh, most golfers, are, I mean, like a high 90%, 99% for me when I was full-time coaching, they did improve and you they, they could keep improving, even the ones who would be asking this kind of question. Um, I think it's really interesting as well. You had to establish from golfers what they got their enjoyment from. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Because improvement is doesn't need to be black and white as in improvement can mean i shoot 80 and i want to shoot 75s more that, and that's improvement agree you shoot lower scores and that's what golf is about you shoot lower scores you're a better player for some people improvement was getting them to enjoy it more so their scores might not move that much but they didn't lose a ball where they used to play and lose two or three balls and that used to really upset them and make their day not very fun um enjoyment could be getting a player to chip it a little bit better in the sense that they don't duff and shank and fin it anymore. They don't particularly chip it close and they might hit lots of greens on lots of days. They don't have to rely on their chipping, but the fact that it's in their head, that they are so scared of that element of the game would make them fall out of love, not enjoy it. So you could improve them because 
they were actually inspired to go out and, and practice and play more because they had something positive to get rid of something that was making them not enjoy their golf as much. So with students as well, I used to have to have serious conversations about what actually did improving mean. And it wasn't always just that they needed to shoot lower scores. For some people, they just didn't want to pick up as much. They didn't want to go and play in a match play with their mates. So there's no handicaps involved, as in, you know, they're going to get their handicap from 20 down to 15. They're not, that's not their goal. But what they didn't like is that they were just holding the flag a lot. You know, they weren't the last person putting. Um, and you could help them improve by keeping them in play more and things like that. So even for golfers, just establishing what you get your enjoyment from. Because I don't know if you're the same as me, Lou, now. And I think you've suggested it quite a few times. You said it at the start of this pod, Greg, a little bit. I get my enjoyment now from where I'm playing and who I'm playing with. And then if I can hit some half decent shots, I'm not playing like I used to because I don't practice. But that's where my improvements come from. If I come off a golf course as an adult now and feel like I didn't want to do that, that's something I would need to improve because I have to do it. It's my job and B, I want to enjoy my job. So and if it was my hobby, it would be the same for those people coming off the golf course, feeling like they never want to go back and they're getting frustrated Sometimes it's finding them to finding ways of getting them to control that level of frustration. And one way of doing that, Lou, which you post a lot about, is I've written down expectations here. The amount of students I have with crazy expectations. And I used to say to them, no wonder you're steaming out the car park at 100 miles an hour. <laughs> like you, you are not going to break 80 today. It's blowing a 20 mile an hour gale wind uh, and the greens have just been hollow time. And you still think you can shoot your lowest score. Like, whoa you got to have some reality. I think that's fair as well for people wanting to improve. They definitely, expectations for a lot of golfers are a little whack, aren't they, Lou? Is, is that fair from the people you talk to? Yeah, I think golfers, all golfers at all levels are just nuts. They're out of their mind. <laughs> and the expectations are oftentimes just bananas and, and are not anywhere near in touch with reality. You brought up a really good point about enjoying it more. And so I'll relate that to me. Um, I never played at either of your levels, but played local competitive events when I was younger and, and could play a little bit better and the occasional state event. And I was much more, um, you know, I, I lived and died by my score that day, if that made sense. And I yeah. would get way more frustrated when I didn't play well, especially in an event. And I would take that home with me and it would kind of, it would sometimes define the rest of the week. If I played really poorly in something I was, yeah, um, you know, really, you know, keen on playing well in. And now I don't do those kind of things anymore. And I have way more fun when I'm playing than I used to. And I talked to a lot of the guys that, uh, you know, I used to play in those events uh, with back in the day. And, you know, they're all in the same boat as me. Um, they, many of them uh, started a family, uh, kids, not enough time to play anymore. Game started to slide. Um, and now they don't really play competitively that, that much anymore or at all. Uh, and they have way more fun playing. And, and that's kind of the boat that I find myself in is I have way more fun than I did 20 years ago when I was way more serious about score. Uh, I'm still serious about score and I try to shoot the best score I can, but at the end of the day, you know, it's a game and I'm there to 
enjoy the company, enjoy the golf course, um, burn a few calories and, and, and try to have some fun. But I still think you can try to get better. And I'm working extremely hard right now to try to get better. And I don't think anybody ever reaches the top of the mountain. And I think the perfect example of that is Tiger back in 98. Um, a tiger is arguably, depending on who you are, he's either the number one or number two best golfer to ever play the game. And in 1998, the guy said, I can get better. And he completely overhauled the swing. Um, and he was at that moment in time, the best player on the planet. Um, and he said, I can get better. So if Tiger's saying I can get better from where he, you know, the perch he was sitting on, we all have an opportunity to get better from where we are currently. And there's so many things we can do to try to make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I think as well, I've written something down here, which is related to what you said, Greg. Um, you know, we can search so much and we go down so many rabbit holes in golf. Sometimes we kind of forget to notice when we're actually good at something, which is kind of something you've alluded to a couple of times on the podcast, as in, you know, when it was your best year, you were still pushing to be better, which is, a, is an understandable thing as well. But sometimes I think it's sad that we forget to maybe acknowledge even at the time that it's happening, just how well we are doing. And I relate that to average golfers as much as you, Greg, as in, you know, I've pl- I remember playing in county matches with people who had full-time jobs. You know, yeah. they were like plus three handicappers playing for Dorset and I'm not playing for Devon at 16 and I'm like scratch or plus one. And, you know, that they work for British Gas. Like they're working five days a week and I'm yeah. not. I'm a 16-year-old with a relatively middle-class family who can like just bum around practicing golf all day those people i used to just think that's amazing like to play at that standard there yeah um, yeah we you have to stop sometimes and try and look in from another angle don't you because you can get lost within the rabbit hole yourself a little bit don't yeah you yeah and, and look I, I say to people um ask that you know go and ask the right questions so before you tee off your round just sort of wake up in the morning and go hey what's it going to take to have a great day today you know, what, what am I, what am I get out of this day? What am I really want to enjoy? But then, and that'll come up with its own answers, but then I've played with amateurs and I'll be like, man, that was a world-class shot you did there. And we could, now that's the great thing about the game is you, you can make a, you can be the worst player in the world and you can make a 30 footer, you know, like there's shots yeah. that you can hit that are high quality, right? Now, what you, what I will say to people and, and I do it myself, um, if you're going to spend amount of time roasting yourself for the mistakes you make, you better build a little statue and dance a jig when you do something great, right? Because that's, <laughs> yeah. that's supposed to be what you're doing, right? You, yeah. you got to reward yourself and give yourself a I, – I have a little trigger I use. I just kind of pat myself on the leg if I've done something good. And, you know, because you need to reward yourself so that your, your mind sort of knows, okay, this is, this is what I'm supposed to do. I think the fascinating thing too, Mark and Lou, is not many amateurs – at least in my experience so far in the teaching world, have come to me and said, hey, what should I think about that's a little better? Um, you know, because you really, if you're a golfer and you want to get better, that is a big part of your journey. You know, like what, what do I think about that can make things better? Because a lot of people think the pros are bulletproof and they're not. Yeah. They think rubbish as well sometimes. And yeah, I, yeah. I know that because I went on a journey when I was in my 30s where I was asking high-class pros, you know, like Nick Price and, you know, Paul Azinger and, hey, what do you, Tom Watson, what do you think about when you play? And, you know, I, and the only thing that I learned was that they're human. They have the same simple thoughts that we all might have and they have some same bad thoughts. They're just better at blocking that out and putting good stuff in, 
right? Yeah, yeah. So that's a part of it that I'd, I'd like to see amateurs sort of enjoy that challenge as much as they enjoy fixing their technique and things like that. You know, give yourself a break sometimes. And, and to your point about managing expectations, um, you know, I did a putty clinic the other day and I had a 10-footer and I was asking people, what do you think the best in the world do? And on average, and it was like 4.2, I think, and I looked up from last year, four, four out of 10. And they thought it was seven or eight out of 10 yeah, from 10 yeah. feet. Yeah. Right. And I'm okay. like, okay, so you just putted for three minutes, walked on the first tee and you're frustrated because you rolled a 30 foot at <laughs> six feet by. You got no business expecting. Just go, okay, well, I guess I only put three minutes work in, so I can't really expect to, let's see if we make this six footer, you know? So yeah, yeah. It's just, it, you get a, a lot less frustration. But I think some people enjoy the frustration. Like Lou said, we're kind of crazy. Right. Sure. So I, think, I, think, I think some people just enjoy getting mad, right? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you make some really good points there with the coaching as well, Greg. And I would agree with you so much there. So many of the lessons I did when I was coaching full-time. So you just see every size and shape and person, man, woman, junior, senior, like you see everyone and every fault. But one of the reoccurring things that I would see over and over again is people wanting to hit a position in a golf swing. Like, you know, what we're working on today. Uh, you know, how is your game going? What, what what could we work on? And they would say, uh, you know, I hit the ball okay. I'd say, you know, what, what is it your irons? Is it driver? Well, can we have a look at it all? It's all a bit, you know, it's all okay. It's all a bit whatever. And then they just, you know, their, their dispersion with their driver was 200, 150 yards from left to right. And like their seven iron was kind of like there or thereabouts. And I used to just think, how could they answer my question the way they've answered that question? How could they not come in and say, my driver does not hit the planet very much. And I used to think like, what are they looking at? So in, in getting students to think better, like you're suggesting there, we as coaches definitely need to help them with that and help them with their, with their um, the, the choices they're making and the information they're following. Because so many students still send me pictures of their backswing, like a still picture. I'm in X position. Is this any good? Oh, I don't know. Well, I've got no idea what shot you're trying to hit. I've got no idea what you do from any of those movements. I don't know how you recover it or not. But the fact that you're asking me that question shows an underlying fault in the system that we're all using to try and help people improve. That they There are obviously coaches out there who might answer that question. Do you see what I mean? Oh, that face looks a bit closed at that position, stuff like that. And I just think, well what like that face hasn't delivered yet we don't know what that face is doing or going to do um so helping students make the right decisions and think more about their game and this is again where it often comes back to stats with our podcast the thing that's really helped me with the students more limited students now that the ones i work with is getting them to see by collecting stats of you know systems like shot scope and many others and arcos and the rest of it um where we can actually dial down and see where the lines in the sand that we need to improve from are rather than just coming in going, 
you know, oh, it's my driver's rubbish. And then they hit drivers and you think, well, it's not that rubbish or vice versa. It's my iron's good and whatever it is. You know, there weren't many students. I mean, the moral here, there weren't many students who came for lessons who would come and actually tell me what was wrong. I did have to spend a lot of time in the lesson working out the best way of using the time we had together because they didn't really know um where now that can be that can happen loads quicker because we can just look at their numbers if they collect them a little bit more yeah. i think that's yeah. fair lou as well oh, go on greg go on, what were you gonna say well, i was just gonna i was just gonna ask lou you know given the stuff that you're doing with with arcos golf and i i haven't done it anywhere near a deep dive on that i was curious what um you know lou do you see anything that is so common with you know general amateurs in different brackets of hey they these guys just they're, they're losing shots in this area consistently you know like do you see things does that show up in this kind of arcos stats and and things like that like hey they just drive it out of bounds on holes with out of bounds or they they make big misses or they they don't get up and down ever or i don't know i'm just curious as to yeah, do you see yes. Any pattern? <laughs> yes, yes yes and yes yes to all of it um and it right. really yeah. is they fall really into is, their buckets don't they yeah it right. really is player dependent um so it, it depends on the player and that's yeah. i think you know mark's point um is is a really good one that understanding your game and your weaknesses is really important. Like I, I want to, I have a, a route on that same exact topic. So strokes gain didn't come on the PGA tour until, you know, 2014, 2015 strokes gain putting came out in 2011. Um, they had shot link back in 2004. Uh, you were playing on the tour back in those days. And what did you, did you have access to any of that data? Was anybody looking at anything? Like, I'm yeah. curious because you were, you're one of the best putters in shot link history, which makes you one of the best putters in golf history. Did you, did you know that back then? Did you know the detail of that? And did that change what you worked on as you were trying to improve your game or maintain your game? Like somebody like you probably didn't need to spend a whole lot of time on putting, um, and maybe more time in other areas. Did you know that in 2005? I think it, it, yes, instinctively, yes. I okay. knew all of the above. And what it did for me when I found out the stats, and actually, funny you say that, I just, I'm just about to launch an online putting um, option for people to teach them putting through Skillist, right? And so I was looking at my stats as part of the marketing, I guess. And, and, uh, and it, it, what it did for me was solidify what I did in preparation and just keep doing that when it comes to putting. Um, now, what it also found out in my weaker areas, it took me a long time to figure out, and I still do this to this day. It's one of my challenges. When I don't putt well, I just go back to my stock sort of issues that i got to stay on top of technically, whether it be set up. I don't question that I'm good at that. I just go, okay, just go back to that and everything will be fine. With my driver, though, if I hit one out of bound, one off line, I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong with my swing today? Right. <laughs> and so I've got to fight that all the time. Like, and I've chatted to other players about this. John Sendon is one of my good friends and he's a perennial. He was a, a, um, in terms of all around ball striking, he was top 10 for a number of years. Great fairways, greens, really good ball striker. And I asked John, and he's a, his struggles are in putting. And I said to John, what do you go through mentally? And he said, well, if I drive it offline, I just go, no biggie, and the next one will be straight, right? He does with his long game what I do with my putting. Yeah, and yeah. then vice versa on his putting, if he pushed or pulls one, he's like, what's wrong with my stroke today, right? Yeah. And that's always the challenge 
for us as golfers is trying to figure out, you know, where, how do I attack this, you know, this problem and this issue? Because golf will find that weakness. And, and I, I deal with it all the time when I play. I dealt with it last week, you know, and it's just, it's one of those things that's extremely challenging game. Um, but I think people will get more joy out of it. Um, a, I was, one of the points I wanted to make too, recognize what's a technical mistake, what is a mental mistake, or what is a bad plan in the first place. Like I, I did a lesson recently and the guy was like, hey, can you teach me a 50-yard bunker shot? And I said, dude, it's the hardest shot in the game. Why would I want to teach you that? I said, well, the 16th hole, like get in that front bunker. I said, just lay up. It's a par five. Get it short. Or if you're long enough, get it up. That's a bad plan if you've got that bunker in play. And he's like, really? I said, yeah, really? And that's the kind of thing It's hard for amateurs to differentiate. Well, what's a bad plan? What's a bad mental process? And what was... When, what did I do right and wrong? You know what I mean? Like they, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. sometimes it's a really hard lesson to learn. Um, and I think as pros, we get better and better at that. Uh, but there's room for improvement for everybody in that area, for sure. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I've seen some interest. I, I, it was interesting what you're saying there, because when it comes to looking at stats or numbers and the, the complication that also has in connection to um, your emotional state when you play. So I'll give you an example. Um, when I was working with Titleist, they did this very clever thing with all their tour players where they did kind of a strokes gained on launch and spin and distance and scoring averages using different clubs. So they had all their players, a big project, and they looked at, so they had like Justin Thomas and he looked at his driver and he was gaining here on that. He was gaining on ball speed on you know, 80% of the players. He was gaining on being a low spin. He wasn't losing on spin. So each part, if you think of everything that spits out of a launch monitor, they were doing like a, do you win or lose in these aspects? And they discovered that um, Justin's four iron basically was letting him down. He, he was where most of his clubs, he was gaining on the tightest field of players they had, you know, big stable of very good players, just, um, you know, just in um, uh, Jordan Spieth and Adam Scott, all on this list along with other people. Um, and they made some clubs up for him to come and try. I remember I was there when he came to try them um, and they showed him what they'd done and that they could make improvements in his forehand. He just didn't want to change his forehand. He liked the way it looked. He liked the way it felt. He didn't want to change it. So he was basically just ignoring the really clear data that was there. Like it was really clear that this four iron was basically losing something like, don't quote me on this. I can't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head, but it was like, it was losing two degrees of launch over the people who were scoring better with their four iron or hitting it close approximately with, with that club. Um, so they like built up, you know, the, the more, um, utility iron based things to try and get the launch up he just didn't like the look of it wouldn't put it in his bag and i just remember speaking to the fit thinking God, it's so interesting isn't it because obviously one of the best players in the world at the time and still is one of the best players in the world you could argue um it's hard to tell him that he's wrong because he wins like he's good but on that occasion you could make a strong argument that he was getting that wrong um but he still wouldn't let go of the emotions no matter what the stats and what have you would tell you because he placed the glove and he wanted to look a certain way. And, and, and that just led me on to think about how, you know, people being hard on yourself. I've gotten on here. Don't be so hard on yourself um, and try and control your emotions. And I think that's so hard at every level for players and amateurs 
comes to changing equipment. It comes to thinking that you should be getting out of that 50-yard short bunker and getting it on the green. I mean, 99% of amateurs, if they're 50 yards short of the green with a bunker, they hit it anywhere near the get green complex. I say to them, that's a good shot. Because <laughs> right. most people are duffing that out 10 yards, aren't they? I know they're expecting to hit it on the green probably to 10 foot or something like that. And I think if I'm in that position, 50 yards out in a fairway bunker, um, I just want it on the green and I then don't want a free putt. And then I'll walk on. And then, like you said, I'll get to that all next time. Think if I did in that bunker again, I'm going to be very upset. I'm either flying it by 10, so I'm not going in it, or I'm coming up short by 10 and I'm not going in it. Um, definitely people are hard on themselves, aren't they? I think golfers, you know, if you think about your clinic and they're thinking it's 80% of putts go in from 10 foot, then it's hard not to be hard on yourself, I guess, isn't it? Because no, you're going to no. be constantly upset with what happens when you're out there, aren't you? Yeah. And, and look, one of, the, one of the tricks I learned, and only recently, well, I want to say recently, in my career, only recently in the last sort of 10 years, um, one of the tricks I learned from a, one of the psychologists, sort of guru guys I worked with was staying in a state of gratitude, right? And every mm. time I got challenged, what he wanted me to say to myself was, thank you. Thank you for this challenge. I need this right now, right? So yeah. you get on a tee shot you hate or you, you know, you're really nervous about first tee shot because all your buddies are watching and you're like, what do I do, Brewer? And if you just pause and go, hey, thanks for this. I really need this challenge. This is what the game's about. It's a hard yeah. game, right? And if you don't love that journey and love that challenge, go play something. Go play, I don't know. I don't want to pick a sport and offend anybody. Go play something that's easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because you have to love that journey and really appreciate that challenge and that because the victories of it even though they're few and far between then, then they make you feel good right they they then they do that because it's so damn hard yeah right? absolutely. absolutely back to your bunker shot uh pga tour pros from 50 yards in the bunker they only hit the green 70 percent of the time yeah, it's a yeah, very absolutely. very hard shot Oh my God, Luke, look, in the amount of times I would say to my caddy, if I have one of those shots, I would say it's a miss hit or I would turn to him and say, what the, are we doing what here? What have we done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a This is a bad plan or we just hit, we knew this was going to happen if we hit it offline or hit a bad shot. So yeah, we deal yeah. with it usually. But yeah, if I get within, actually, if I get within 50 yards on a layup, it's like, what are we doing here? It's the hardest shot in the world, even from the fairway sometimes, you know, there's no spin. Yeah. It's just, it's just not easy. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and one another interesting point with that as well, Lou, you're saying they're only hitting it. Did you say 70% of the time, did you say then? Yeah, 70% the of the time they hit the green. Yep. The, the, very, the amount very of, shot. Yeah, absolutely. The amount of um, events I've played in through my life with amateurs, and even when I was a competing amateur, so I would, you know, I was a, a better amateur in the, let's say I'm playing in a monthly medal or I'm playing in a county thing or whatever it is. Um, the amount of times I hit a pretty Healy average drive and the playing partners say, oh, great drive. And you know what it's like, Greg, you're thinking, oh, that's going to be like 40 yards shorter than it should be. And well, I know it's gone straight, but like people would go, why is he upset with that? And then the amount of times you would hole, you know, like a six foot putt or you'd hold a 20 foot putt and they'll be like, whoa, amazing. You hold a 20 foot putt. And I think, yeah, I mean, it's great. That I've hold a 20 foot putt, but there was like, it's an element. I can't repeat that. Like, that that's just, you know, the chance of me holding two more of them are really, really slim. So what I mean is their their understanding of what a good shot or a bad shot is. I remember playing like a chip off a bit of mud over a bunker, raised green, and I like nip it and it spins and goes to about four foot and they don't say anything. And I'm like, like it's a world uh, beater. <laughs> that's like 
the best shot of it today by Mike. <laughs> Two Ely drives, and you were all like, oh, my God, it's amazing. <laughs> but my point is here, when people say that, can I get better? Sometimes for golfers, it's about playing with better golfers can make you better because it helps you make better decisions and it makes your understanding of what good or bad is loads better. I'll give a really poor example of this. I used to play squash with my mum and my brother. My mum and my brother are relatively sporty. I would beat them easily. I thought I was good at squash. I then went and played with someone who played for the county at squash because we played golf together. And I said, oh, I've played a bit of squash and I'm quite good. You know, beat my mum and brother. My brother's half decent. He's uh, three years older than me, so I can beat him. That's good, isn't it? Played with a guy from county, I'd win one point. If, and that was only a pity point. So my understanding of what good or bad at squash is so far removed from what good or bad is. So just by playing with a better player, I then made the choice of, do I want to practice and get better at this? Because I'm obviously not good at this. And I, I, I would like, you know, can I get better at this? Well, do I stop? I chose to stop because it was all a bit hot in there and sweaty. But as in just playing with better players often for golfers, I think can allow them to understand where there are some really simple improvements. You know, just little things by watching their mannerism, how they mark balls, clean them on the green. How many amateurs have you played with who just rock up and it apart, haven't marked it, cleaned it? And you just think, oh my God, oh, my... what are you doing? Like, there yeah, could be a bit I... of grit. I've hit putts with a bit of grit on in my putting green out of the back here. They go halfway if a bit of grit is there. Yeah. Why would you do that? My, my favourite one at the moment is I see amateurs and they don't even, like, they're using, they're trying to use the line on the top of the ball, but they just kind of point it anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> it's just dude, what are we doing? Like, it's, that that it's, reminds um, me of the ones you remember when people used to put the putter and then they would stand behind it. And oh, yeah, like uh, they put the putter oh, down yeah, yeah, like line it up and then like twist ahead a few million times and then but, put it running. So, if, if you ever use Sam Putt Lab, right? So, Sam Putt Lab is a, for people listening yeah. is, a, is a device that measures very, very accurately, like under a degree tolerance, is if your face is and your path, how your putter is moving basically in 3D space. There's a calibration system in. Sam, so when you set it up, if you can't, if you don't calibrate it to zero, it's kind of a worthless system. You have to calibrate it really precisely. They actually released a Sam Putt Lab station because calibration is so tough. As in, I will stand over a putt and just looking up at the hole and back, if you watch the calibration, you'll see it going from green to red, meaning green, it's under a degree tolerance of aiming at your target. Red, it's over a degree, I think it is. And just by moving my head, that putter was going red, green, red, green, red, green, red, green. They walk behind it. And again, when people say, can they get better? I think, well, if you are expecting that to make you aim your putts better, then we aren't going to get better. Like that's yeah. just. You need so one of those putter putters, those red things. Degrees. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the putters that used to stand up on yeah. their own yeah. as well? Use one of those. <laughs> there you get go. Behind it and look it up. Yeah. So, camp, I mean, golf is hard. You touched on it earlier. I, I don't know what the stats are, Lou. What, what are your personal stats? We lose more than we win. I reckon I've got a win rate of about 0.75%. What's your win rate, Lou? Yeah, what do you, what, what do you mean by win rate? What does that mean? Well, you've won anything. You've won things in your club, haven't you? Let's say a win is you winning something at your club. What's your win oh, rate? Oh, yeah. The, I've, for Historically, <laughs> I've played with so many sandbaggers. It's 0% because they're all a bunch of bandits. 
and it's very <laughs> yeah. challenging to beat the bandits, especially when you were, you know, as a, you know, especially as a lower handicap player back when I played around scratch. Um, and I was a relatively high variance scratch player, so I could go put a high number on the board. Um, so I, it was very, very <laughs> challenging to beat. You know, when somebody puts net 61 on the board, it's I'm just never yeah, going to I'm not, never going to You're not that. playing in the net tournament, are you? What are you on about? You're well, playing all, in the scratch tournament. I would always you? play in the weekends. In the with, no, I would always play in the weekend. I'm talking about weekend golf with my buddies where there was always, you know, 20 bucks into the pot from everybody. It must be a and, scratch prize. You're playing grown up golf over yeah, there. Yeah, there you? was occasionally a scratch <laughs> prize in some of it. And we'd, we'd win some of it, but it was all I at what point that probably caused more frustration than my golf game itself. I'd get so annoyed at somebody putting a net 61 or a net 62 on the board. I would just, I would tap out and I wouldn't come back for like three weeks to play with that group. <laughs> and then eventually I'd be like, all right, I really like these guys. I'm going to go play with them yeah. and just donate my money. I know I've put some other kids through college. So it's uh, my, my oh, win rate is zero. Price. Zero, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, let's round this up then. Can people improve? I think Lou basically said it at the start. I tried to say it and he said it a lot better. I just think you need to understand where you're trying to improve from. And that doesn't need to be historic. You don't have to be improving from your best score. You don't. It, it doesn't have to be just a, a gradual climb of the mountain, does it? Sometimes it, the, ma- the, the mountain on the climb does plateau and it even goes down and you just draw your line from there and see if you can push it up again from there. It's kind of what we're all saying. Is that fair? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think that's fair. Yeah, you just got to really understand. And to do that, you've got to understand what you want from your game, where the enjoyment comes. Do you want to have more enjoyment? Is it lower scores? And if it is lower scores, A, are those scores realistic? Um, And B, are they, I mean, that's the other thing I used to say to students so much. I used to say to them, like, they would give me object, like, I would have people off 12 and they'd say, I want to play off five. And I've seen him at balls and I would say to him, well, when are you quitting your job? Right. And are you selling your kids? Like, what are you going to do with them? Because you can't look after them if you want to go from 12 to five, hitting balls once a week on a range, playing every two weeks. Should we go for single figures? Like, is that fair? Yeah. 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 I had had one recently where after a lesson, um, a person uh, said to me, uh, I'm really going to have to practice this, aren't I? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Give us some thought. And I don't want to break their heart. Like, I don't want to say, dude, I worked on one move for two years and hitting 100 balls a day. So, yeah, yeah, you might want to, and, and, you know, it takes a little time. Because the the magic wand isn't there, unfortunately. Yeah, sadly not. Enjoy the Yeah, absolutely. And I used to say that always to my students. And I've... I'm a, I'm a, I would be a rubbish tour coach. I've never had a desire to be a tour coach. No disrespect to you, Greg, or anyone. Like I enjoy teaching ordinary people more. Not that you're not an ordinary person, but you know what I mean? I, I don't, I just enjoy, I enjoy taking, so I, my, the best students I've always had in my life are the ones who you, you start them. Like that's the best thing ever. Getting someone who didn't play golf to play golf and then, over a period of time, they're then a member of a club and they're in the system. And you just say, cool, that's like really putting in. Like that, that used to give me um, my biggest rewards in coaching. Um, but I do feel sometimes that it's students forget how much they need to work at it to get better. 
they do think that it is i mean the amount of people who've come for less they think it is just the fact that you're having lessons is right. what's going to make you better and the lesson doesn't make you better and i used to think i'd be so rubbish as a coach so i could i'm teaching greg chalmers and greg chalmers goes and wins all four majors in a year i wouldn't be celebrating that myself i would be happy that i've helped you did it i didn't i might have showed you some ideas that made you look down a better path but you walked down that path and did all the work to go down it so i used to have students who would achieve win county championships or go on and play for the country and what have you and i used to just think yeah, they would, would be grateful for the help that i've given them but i used to think i didn't really you've done it all not not me and i that's i always struggle with the coaches with their hands around the major winners personally a little bit and i know that's probably not fair but i always i used to just think really is that not just I, a little bit of timing as well? Like we well, could argue yeah. that's a little bit Sometimes of Sometimes it's a jockey and no a horse, right? No one wants right? to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. I... Sometimes the jockey and the horse, no question. Um, like I, I would say this, I've gotten, and you might be doing yourself just a little bit of a you know, disservice there in terms of parting knowledge on people to help them play better golf. Um, yeah, yeah. Because to me, you know, if you're not going to celebrate the the knowledge and the, the the help that you give people, there's no point in being that coach, right? And I can tell you one I thing: I wasn't ready. I would celebrate it. I just didn't feel like I need to publicly. Right, right. So I would celebrate yeah. it inside, and I'd celebrate right. it with the person. And if it was a two way, right, feed, right. You just didn't want to be out there saying, "Hey, look at me, I'm awesome," right? Well, um, the main reason I didn't want to do that, and this is what always offends me with those things. I'd like both your opinions on this: is the pictures are always there when they win the major. The pictures are never there when they miss the cut. Mm-hmm. But what's the rules here? How does that work? Because you're still coaching them and they've missed three cuts. So are right. you rubbish now? Because if you're a good coach because they've won a major, then equally you have to be a bad coach. But what coaches do is they say, oh, he's struggling at the minute. It's now right. him. Right. All right. That's the rules, is it? So we're now all Boris Johnson. We can just say whatever we like and then get away with it. Is that what we're doing? little bit of politics for you two there. I'm sure you're going to <laughs> oh, I'm wondering when Boris out. is going to get a mention. Greg and I have to go now. That's uh, Mark Crossfield, C-R-O. <laughs> but does that is that a fair comment what i'm saying there with coaches i see because i see it with manufacturers we this person won like we did a thing once where me and matt i feel we we didn't win many friends i generally don't win many friends online that's kind of what i do but manufacturers would go like this person won using this driver that they've released right so we would go to the bottom of the table of the people who missed the cut who were shooting 12 over oh, no. and you would find equal amount of manufacturers <laughs> down there. Do <laughs> but you can't like you can't claim a victory but then ignore the losses like did, what did it look like coach, uh, what did it look like for nike drivers i gotta know <laughs> <laughs> hey make a great shirt <laughs> continue to make a great shirt <laughs> But you see what I mean? I think it's an interesting one in golf. I think golf, there's a lot of bravado. There's a lot of car salesmen out there in golf. And I just think, well, you can celebrate a win, but you then have to be, if you're going to celebrate the win, you have to be responsible for the fails as well. Possibly. I don't know. I know that doesn't win many. I'd I'd love to see that more. Like you're talking about just in, I've been doing a lot of online looking and coaching and people posting the still frames of the, the student improvements and things like that. And I've given some lessons 
you know, since I started teaching a few months ago. And I'm like, I'm not happy with this lesson. I, I want to go help this person better than that. And I'm yeah. sure you've experienced lessons where you're in your career, Mark, where you've been like, hey, that was a that was that was a bad lesson. You know, we didn't get I was either too much information or whatever. It wasn't right for that person. And I'm learning the craft yeah. as I go. But uh, yeah, I see stuff online. They make it look so easy, and it's just not that easy, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a part of the coaching world, and and I agree. There's you know there's an element of it that's just marketing, right? It's just yeah. Hey, we we won, and oh, he missed the cut. You know that's how yeah. it is. We won, and he missed the cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, absolutely. I I, uh, I have to ask Greg a question around Sam Putt Lab um, and any other technology. Did you leverage a lot of technology as you worked on your putting through the years? So what I would do, uh, if I thought I was wanted to try a new putter, I would, my coach, uh, John Sinclair, down in Fort Worth, we would go in and jump on Sam Putt Lab. Um, I uh, would just see what it looked like. And, and, and then I'd try other putters and nothing was as good as the one I had used for 20 years. Um, and then if I ever had any issues, we'd go back and we kind of just, I'd, you know, we, I had an idea of where I want a ball position and what I want it to perform like and blah, blah, blah. We would go back if I was having a problem and say, hey, let's have a look and, and put it back on. We had the, obviously the old, the old strokes and numbers. I recently just did a Quintic, um, which is yep. different technology, which is camera-based. You know, camera-based. Um, and I don't know which one's better or worse, but you know, I recently did they're that. They're both good. They're, they're both they're yeah, different. They've got pros and cons. Yeah, they're right, a bit like right. quad and trap, man. They both yeah, serve their purpose. It was quite funny. The guy, the guy who did it, it's a lovely guy he's here in town, and he, he didn't know I was actually, you know, I don't, I don't know how to put it, but he didn't know I was half decent at putting. Let's put it that way. And did uh, he know you were he, a tall player? It, no, he did, but he didn't know that I was like decent at rolling a golf ball across yeah, grass, right? Yeah. And uh, he was like, wow, these numbers are pretty good. And, and then he rattled off some names that have been in there. And he said, yeah, I, based on this, he said, you can aim correctly and roll the ball all the way out to like 74 feet um, anytime you want. And I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't help me, but I, I get it. It's pretty good, right? So, yeah. <laughs> and, and again, a lot of it was just born out of trying equipment because I, and the only thing I learned was at our level, if you're going to try something, you probably need some technology these days to prove that it actually works. And yeah. that gives me confidence and off I go. Because I haven't found anything yet. He wanted to put one of those balanced stroke lab shafts or whatever they're called in my putter. Yeah, yeah, stroke then, lab, yeah. Yeah, and then he measured it and he goes, actually, your, your shaft's performing beautifully. He said, I, I don't want yeah, to touch it. Yeah. And I said, thanks, because you're not. So, but yeah, this, it's just part of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, there you go. Can people get better? Yes, they can. Do people need to have more realistic ideas? I think they do. And uh, at the end of the day, I think if you're getting frustrated by if you are improving or not, there's a few things to take away. Improving, improvement takes time. Like, you know, if, you, if Strokes Gain shows this so well, I, I'm hitting the ball longer than I've ever done because I've tried to change my body a little bit over the lockdowns and what have you. And you look at my driving and like per drive, I'm gaining over older drives 0 0.01, 0 0.03, 0 0.1, but like tiny amounts, which you can easily give straight back to the course in any given round as well, like without trying. So it, 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 sometimes I do think people want the improvement to happen. Sometimes it just will have to take a little bit of time because it plays out over a longer period of time. They'll actually see if something is better. You know, the amount of times people would, and you mentioned equipment now, I do see people even now think I'm going to buy this driver because it's four yards further. 
four yards, four yards. Mm. Standard deviation, short and long, what are you, 15 yards probably? And you'll see him four yards in a you know indoor test where you're just wagging it as hard as possible. Try finding that on the golf course when you've got a standard deviation of 50, like really. Um, so I think people can get better, but you've got to be realistic about what you're trying to improve um, and looking in the right places. There's it's lots of opportunities for people to look in the wrong place still, I think, out there. Mm-hmm. Lots of places you can go for a lesson where they will do position-based ideas for you, and that might be perfect for you, but for lots it might not. Um so just making sure you're looking in the right areas as much as you can might just help you a little bit as well. And finding the enjoyment, Lou, isn't it? You got to enjoy it. Got to have fun. It's a game. At the end of the day, it is a game. So just have fun. Because just a little point to finish. If I Here's one for you, Greg. What do you think of this? If you knew that you would shank the odd shot, yeah. Would you still play? Because I don't think I would. <laughs> like, yeah, I would struggle to play. Yeah, I, I went hard. through a little one. I went through a little one last week at Pebble. Uh, I I've Did been you? trying to. Yeah, well, not shank. It was fat, and I was right. fatting. I I probably hit three, four full irons in two days. Full five, six irons, two inches behind it. And it was driving me crazy because I didn't feel bad. And, and That's I awesome. Spent, yeah, <laughs> I, I love spent, this. I spent 30 minutes. I, I missed a cut and it cost me basically the cut, right? These shots I hit that last day. And anyway, yeah. I, was st- I spent 30 minutes in the hotel in front of the mirror. Look, because I'm very setup dependent. And I'm looked at and I'm like, you idiot. And I figured it out. Like I was getting, you know, way, you know, like, like I was trying to hit a driver over a hill setup, but I was hitting a seven iron, you know? Yeah, yeah. Dumping it way in behind there. Yeah, awesome. And I've been doing all this long drive, trying to hit it harder and all that junk and launch it. And and I'm like, yeah, that doesn't work, dude, if you're trying to hit a seven iron. So, um, yeah, Shank, no, I'm out. Um, that's, uh, that's why they invented, that's why they invented beer. That's all I'll say. Like, just enjoy the day. I'm not having a go, Lou. I'm just saying. No, no, no. Greg, I love your story about. is impressive because. I I love the story you just told about what you went through and how you went back to the hotel and you worked on this and and looked at yourself in the mirror for 30 minutes. Imagine what I go through. Just think about that (laughs) compared to what you're going through. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a completely different world. Um, But as far as the shanks go, uh, who's the number one ranked player in the world right now? John Rom. I can go on Google right now and I can Google John Rom shank, John Rom Hazel. He occasionally hits him off the hosel. So I'm going to yell at both of you guys for giving wrong expectations to players. Even the best player in the world occasionally hits it off the hosel. And you will. I know I do. (laughs) So I don't shank it. I don't ever. Not really. No. When's the last time you shanked one? Both of you. I shanked one in Spain. I reckon about I shanked a wedge on the first in Spain. I remember it. And it was probably four years ago, two years of that, probably COVID. But that was straight off the plane after getting up at three o'clock. So it's one of those shots that you just, you know, you're not really. I would never do that if I was normal as a human being. That's three o'clock, wake up, drive two hours to an airport, two hours flight. Wait, get your bags, get on a golf course, get something filmed. First, I'll shank a wedge, bang. Like, well, what that doesn't happen. I, I just don't really hit, I don't really hit shanks. I hit toe more, so I'm not much of a heel striker, you see. What about you, Greg? Greg you, your last shank. I can't believe we're even talking about this. This is <laughs> <laughs> I got a mark for this one. Like, don't even don't mention the word, don't want to talk about it. 
get, get no interest. You in don't. You I'll don't go hit first. A shot. I don't I'll go first. Hit, two nights ago. Really <laughs> two, two nights ago, I hit one. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Would, that would worry me. That would, when I say everyone can improve, if I knew that I had a shank in the tank, my improvement <laughs> would be <Shake> the tank. <laughs> Make a shirt out of that. I, I my improvement would be maybe not playing anymore. I would struggle. I would struggle. That's but, a Luke, great. That's a great shirt, Greg. I love yeah. that idea. Shake in the tank. In the tank. There we go. Thanks yeah. for listening, everybody. Um, as always, Greg and Lou. Thank you. That was fun. I definitely think most of you can improve, and you just got to be realistic, like you say. Um, and yeah, if you are shanking it, good luck. And maybe don't listen to the end part of this podcast, <laughs> but thanks for listening to the rest of it. See you in the next episode.